1: What's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Try the Jets Live. I'm your host Stephen Zantz, joined by my co-host Stephen Russo. Very stress-free, even though it ended up being a little stressful for us Jets fans, we are rooting for the Vikings yesterday, Stephen. No game yesterday. How you feeling? How you doing?
2: I'm good, man. I'm good. How, uh, how's everything in your world?
1: Everything is good. I mean, like, I would say it's like no stress about the Jets on Sunday, but obviously we we're rooting for, the Bill- I'm rooting for the Vikings to beat the Bills, rooting for the Browns to beat the Dolphins of course they were lifeless and I th- they teased us early on when they had that nice drop that, that nice play in the beginning and then it all went down there, Del Hill. but like I'm so hyped that the Jets are back I know we were talking about this last week we're just like I'm gonna miss watching them mm-hmm. you know like you're gonna, you you live for the stress you live for the fun and it's it's it was like weird but yeah
2: how you doing I'm good dude yeah it was like uh like you said uh earlier today when we were talking like you're rooting for the Vikings as if it were a Jets game, and you kind of felt like that. And it's uh, it was cool. It was refreshing to have uh, a bye week where, you know, I got to balance my feelings for, like, what my fantasy team does versus what I want to happen in the AFC to, you know, <laughs> kind of strengthen the Jets' position uh, for this hopefully impending playoff race. Um, but overall, I mean – you know, it's a good day. I think uh, it, it's funny because you think about it and you're like, you know, back before the season, we were sitting here and we were talking as we're, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of Jets fans saying, you know, will the Jets be able to get off the schneid and break the, uh, the division losing streak? And sure enough, man, here we are. And the Jets are sitting six and three with a divisional showdown against the Pats coming up this week with not only a chance to go three and one in the division, but a chance to take first place outright how insane is that? Like that we're actually here. So it just feels good to kind of have this and, and be in it. And, you know, as excited, as amped up as I am for this Pats game, it's still the Pats and I still get that little, uh, you know, the butterflies <laughs> in my stomach and, and uh, you know, things going on in my chest too, that make me nervous about this. Cause it me, it does mean uh, so much. And there's a big part of me that just wants to say, you know, this is just another game, but at the same time, man, it does just mean so much more, not only for what's at stake, but because it's Bill Belichick, because it's the Patriots, Playing in Foxborough, there's a whole lot of stuff going on in this game. So, uh pretty amped up. Good day yesterday, though. You know, stress free, we'll say uh, at least um, more than usual, anyways. But it was fun. I'm doing good.
1: Yeah, agreed. And um, we actually will be joined midway through the show by Connor Views of SNY, who covers both the Jets and Giants, but formerly of the Athletics. So, it'll be super fun to talk to him. So, a lot of our you know questions will be coming more towards the back half of the show. But for right now, you know, we'll talk about some storylines like leading up to this Pats game, which. The first thing I want to talk about, which I think is crazy, is that if the Jets win, obviously they have sole possession of first place, like you said, because Miami's on the bye, and they both would be seven and three. But if the Jets lose and Buffalo beats Cleveland, we're in last place. Like, think about just what that means and how, like, it could change the trajectory of the season. Like, you have the chance of being sole possession of first place because of tiebreakers, because at that point, you would have beaten both Buffalo, and Miami, and split New England. But getting swept by New England and, you know, having the same record as them in Buffalo getting a game on us, that would just be so much pain. Thinking about all the fun and success we had. And it's not to say the season will be over, but, like, I know we we're talking about this in our Slack over the last, like, 24 hours. It's like, if Zach can't beat the Patriots, yeah. season's over. It's not actually. But, like, <laughs> what are your thoughts about that? Like, just – what this season could be based on what the outcome is getting. because this is the most important the season. I know we said this last time they played New England, but now it really is because we got the monkey off our back of being a contender. We've had a chance to heal up. Max Mitchell's returned to practice this week. Uh, so there is a chance that he can return and play right tackle. I, I mean, I don't know what they would necessarily want to do because of why he actually has been decent, but I think he'd be better suited as a swing tackle. But like, how do you feel about this?
2: Yeah. I mean, like I said, this, this game just will always mean more. You know, even if they were both, you know, three and six going into this game, I think it would still mean more just because it's New England. But now when you amplify it, having all of this behind it, it's uh, it obviously is just a huge deal. So having so much implication on this game, uh, knowing that it's Bill Belichick and really knowing what happened two weeks ago and kind of that being the one, um, you know, uh, downside to what's going on over the last six weeks, seven weeks, you um, It's it's obviously carries extra weight. So uh, I think the the salt in the wound part about the loss to New England back, uh, you know, two weeks ago was really the fact that I think we all came away saying anyone with eyes can see that the Jets are the better team. And Mm -hmm. it's just frustrating that they gave it away. You really came away feeling like that was one that the Jets lost, not the one that the Patriots won um so knowing that and that's part of balancing it all is that you really you feel like this just should happen and that the timing is right and that everything is kind of teeing up for this to be that defining moment but you also know you got all these years of history being a Jets fan and what this could actually mean so you you can go back and kind of pull from those memories as well but um I, I think this uh you know, uh, we'll we'll get into predictions obviously a little bit later on, but this it, it could be a sloppy game. Um, but in, in all reality, I feel like this is one of the Jets should kind of handle with ease. And you, you also factor in the fact that both teams coming off a of bye week, which you know, typically Bill Belichick kind of performs well in those situations. He is obviously the greatest coach that we've seen. Um, And and Robert Sala, we really only have one, you know, one year to base that on, which I think last year they came off the bye and played New New England England and got smoked. So, um, you know, just a lot of things at play here. But ultimately, uh, I think this game just means so much more just because of everything going on around it.
1: Yeah. And I think the feel is different this time around. I know obviously they lost, you know, a couple of weeks back uh, at home. But like you said, I think the Jets know that they let one get away they know that they could have won that game it wasn't like one of those typical Bill Belichick fashion games like the same ghost game They, you know the Jets are riding high after some momentum after like you know struggling a little bit and then they lay neck an and lose like 33 nothing at home with yeah. Sam Darnold throwing what like three interceptions or whatever it was I don't even remember at this point I tried to erase from my memory they lost by five Zach threw three brutal brutal interceptions i can't emphasize that enough and i think the approach will be obviously different especially given the success they had against buffalo running the football at uh last week or i guess two weeks ago at this point um but i think that they know that they could take them i i, I think um Connor mcgovern had a nice quote he was just saying how like this game's obviously important but like they feel that every time they're on the field that they're as good if not better than everybody they're playing against and you've got to little that mentality and i've I've had my gripe with Econor um, McGovern. I felt like he threw Zach onto the bus a couple times when he was a rookie, but he said that everybody believes in him. And I think um, Brax also said like they have extreme confidence in him. So I think that this is, there was a perfect time for this team to recharge the batteries, to assess some of the things that they weren't doing well, to figure out ways to improve on the things they were doing well and perfect them, which We Like we've been saying, you know, there hasn't been that much to criticize with this team uh, through the first nine games of the season. So it's like, I'm very interested to see what Zach looks like. And I think I alluded to this our last show that it took Fields a couple of weeks to really get, you know, his feet moving and getting comfortable, you know, in his second year. And I think Zach is now at that point where we started to see fields really turn it on. I think Mm -hmm. it was in the uh, new England game is when he really started to, to look pretty good. So I'm hoping what they do is that this game plan is they take a lot of the things that Chicago was doing. Well, I think they need to design runs for Zach. I know he's not as physically gifted as fields in terms of being six, four and, you know, having that weight, but it's football, man. Every player is risking their body at every single play. Zach should be running the ball. And I've been, I've been banging on the table for this for basically since the end of last year, because I felt like at the end of last year, they were trying to incorporate that into his game and get him to take off. But I think we just need to see him play smarter and more of like the first half against new England. Obviously we don't want it to see the second half with those back breaking interceptions. But uh, I think that this team is super amped up. They know how important this game is. They know that you get this game. You really control your own destiny. I mean, all, the, in my opinion, they have to do is go five and three the rest of the way. That's 11 wins. Yeah, like, think sure. about this. 11 and six? Like, what? Like, <laughs> this is not something that even the most optimistic Jets fan, like someone like yourself or Dalvin would even think. Dalvin's a 10 and seven. I think you said nine and eight. Like. Yeah. The fact that they could go 11 and six and they could still, they could lose three games down the stretch to get
2: there. Like what? Yeah. This is crazy, man. <laughs> I know. I know. And there's, there's so much to unpack here. And I, I think uh, one of the biggest things is I, I think a really refreshing thing about this entire coaching staff is their ability to self-scout and self-reflect. And I think yes. we've seen that, right? You, you, you've seen that from the defensive side of the ball and the changes that they've made uh, post Quinn Williams blow up on the sideline against Cincinnati in week three. And then you see things like it from just the New England game to last week versus Buffalo, where they really put uh, such an emphasis on Zach Wilson getting the ball out quickly and obviously the running game. And what's even more refreshing is that they didn't really deter from that, even though they got down 14-3 and typical Jets would have gone into full panic mode and they would end up losing that game by 20 Yet they still, they stick with it. Um, they continue to do the things that they know that they're good at and they have trust in their defense and in their players to go out and continue to make plays and keep themselves, keep, keep them in the game, which is great. Um, the other point is that, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. And really the, the weight of this game is so large because A, you kind of, it, it's, it's weird how this season has played out to where in August we looked at it like, holy shit here's the gauntlet of the first half of the season. And then it kind of opens up down the stretch and maybe, you know, the jets can have that window to, you know, stack up a few wins, whatever. Well, in reality, it's kind of changed to where now the jets are six and three, but when you look at the remaining schedule, it's not as easy as we all thought, especially um, that road schedule, you know, all three games, uh, all three divisional opponents on the road, Seahawks on the road does not look like a walkover. Like we would have thought it was before the season. Right. Um, uh, you play. Uh, I'm sorry. You play at the Vikings, who just knocked off the Bills and are eight and one. That's not going to be an easy task. So yeah, you're going to say. Well, something. i was just
1: going to say about the Vikings
2: because they're a good team. I
1: yeah. think that they proved themselves, especially gutting out that game against Buffalo. But I there's a path to like like if you absolutely if you, if you contain Justin Jefferson, yeah, you could beat them. They're beatable. I mean, Kirk, yeah, Kirk. Kirk is like always prone to big mistakes. Yes, I mean he like it's just. He's a good quarterback. Is that a great quarterback? I mean, like, we hope that Zach could be, like, as solid as him at, like, at worst-case scenario. But, like, they're, like – I think their point differential this year is, like, 35 points. For, it's, like, the worst since, like, 1960 or 1970 or something like that. I was I also heard that stat today. So they're, they're a good team. They're not like this. They're not the Eagles like the Eagles. I think right now are the best team in football. I think Kansas City second. I think even Buffalo, despite losing that game, still yeah. third, just because yeah. like, you know, they were, they were on a roll in the beginning. I know they've it's, it's softened up a little bit for them, but they do have some injuries, but sorry, I, di- I didn't mean to cut you off. I just not want to chime in about that.
2: No, you're, you're totally fine. And I get it. And I do. And that's, that's the thing. It's like the, the caveat really to this year is that you honestly feel like the jets and and rightfully so the jets can hang, with any team on on their schedule. Like, there's no question about that. And then you kind of look broader scale and you look at it and you say, okay, this AFC is really ripe for the picking. Like, this – of all the years, like, football is a crazy sport no matter what. Let's just put it that way. So no matter how good a team looks, any team can be beat on any given Sunday. That's always going to be the case. However, specifically this season, you know, you look at the Titans, you know, take the Chiefs to a one-score game in Kansas City – on the back of Malik Willis throwing 10 passes, you know, for 70 yards, whatever the hell he threw. Yep. For. You know what I mean? You, you, the Jets already knocked off the Dolphins. They already knocked off the Bills. Like the AFC West just isn't what we thought it was going to be. Even the AFC North, which we thought was, again, we thought it was going to be a gauntlet. Well, even the games the Jets lost, you really kind of felt like, listen, we do a few things here, we're in them. So there's just so much around here where the Jets really can write their own ticket and you kind of see a path. And again, I'm not saying that they, are going to make this Bengals type run to the super bowl. However, this does have, and I know Joe Caporoso alluded to it. It does kind of have that 2015 feel where it feels like the conference is anybody's game and it's out there to be had. And when you have a, a team like the jets, where in all honesty, their biggest question mark is the quarterback and whether or not he can protect the football. That's when you have a defense that's built like this and a run game that's built like this, those things travel well. And that's kind of the stuff that equates to potentially doing some damage come January and February, which I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but when you kind of look at that macro view and then bring it all down to what that uh, implies for this game at new England, man, it's, it's like, again, that's where I start getting, like uh, I get the butterflies and I can't stop thinking about it.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think Joe's Joe's uh, piece was really good because it's just it gave a lot of perspective as to how we got here, you know, what the buildup has been to this point, because, you know, it essentially was like 11 years of ineptitude, because I guess what you could say is 2011, they started out, what was it eight and five and then they lost three yeah. straight to end the year. And then that's essentially when everything kind of fell apart. That was you know, the had beginning that one of the end. Yeah. Beginning of the end, which sucked. And 2015 was like, man, if they could have just beat Buffalo, the team was really good for one year. Like, It was very veteran heavy, which meant it wasn't a sustainable way to build long term. Like, there obviously were some young pieces. I mean, Mo Wilk obviously was a young piece who they locked up after that season, but the problem was he was never the same player. And I think it was just Mm -hmm. kind of like mailing it in. It's kind of like a Kenny Galladay situation where he just like literally got paid and doesn't care anymore. But you look at the teams in the conference, obviously Miami is very good, but I don't think their defense is that good. Their offense yeah. is great. And Tua deserves you know, all the credit. I, I said this last week as someone who was not a Tua believer, I think he's a good quarterback. I think schematically it works for him because they get the ball out quick. He has dynamic wide receivers. I mean, Tyree Kill to me deserves to be in the MVP conversation. He's tremendous. I think right now it's Mahomes' award to lose if he continues to play at the trajectory he is. You know that They are the best team in the AFC right now. He's been great, but Tyreek is right there. And I think he's allowed, you know, to it to be more comfortable and not have to force throws and do, do things short. And that's some of the things I want to see with Zach, even though Zach has the arm to go deep, it's just make things easy for the quarterback versus trying to, you know, force the big play, which is something that he's been guilty of doing throughout his career. And we've seen improvements in some of these wins where he's not doing those things to force the big play, he's allowing things to come to him playing with him the offense. And I think he did a really good job in the Buffalo game. I felt like he was just looking for the right reads. He was trying to get the ball out quickly. And I think that's going to be everything they're telling him to do because when he holds the ball for too long, that's when he gets into trouble. So I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that that first New England experience will really shape how he's going to play this week because, you know, it's super important this game and I I just need to see improvement, especially against his opponent, regardless of who the quarterback is, who's on the other team this coach has always made young quarterbacks lives miserable. And I need to see him take that next step.
2: Yeah. And I think uh, one thing that I think about in in regards to Zach going against Bill Belichick is I think in the first outing last year, right. The second game of of Zach's rookie year, I think he was confused and Belichick did things to confuse him. And that's why he threw the four picks and why the Jets lost the game. When you think about how bad this game uh, two weeks ago was against New England for Zach, I don't think it was Belichick really confusing him. You know, Belichick obviously has the history of doing that. That's what he does to to young quarterbacks. However, I think Zach's problems were all Zach related, right? I think he made, let's see, uh, really two bad decisions and one bad throw. Right when you think about it, like the the pick that he threw across the middle going to Ty Johnson, that was one bad throw. He threw it off his back foot. He had him; they would have had the first down if he hits the pass. But he throws off his back foot. He air mills it. Guy gets a pick. The next two were really bad decisions, right? Or even, I'm sorry, were are really bad throws. So you look at it and you're like, um, the throw to the sideline. He made the right decision to get rid of the ball. He just didn't put it in the stands where he should have. He you know leaves it a little leaves a little too much on it, and uh, and the guy picks it on the sideline, and then. The third decision again he makes that the bad decision into uh in the traffic where he throws it you know into quadruple coverage with Tyler Conklin there's no chance of completing that so I think Zach has the ability obviously to play within structure to play the with within the game plan to do the things that that Sala and the floor are asking him to do and I think you know the other good part of that is that the Jets move the ball against New England and they can move the ball on anyone and and they've proven to be able to wear these teams down over the course of the game and the it's funny how the narratives get built as the season goes along and the Jets have now just kind of become this team where it's like the fourth quarter is very much their strength and their defense can is built to last and can be there in the fourth quarter to shut these teams down. And their offense is exactly the same where that's built to last and the running game can wear you down in the fourth quarter to the tune of – where the Jets, you know, uh, get the ball on their own four-yard line against the Bills and then run the ball, what, seven times in a row for 70-plus yards until they ultimately have to throw one, or, or I forget the numbers, whatever they were, but the only throw they have to make really is to Mims to, to get the third down. So, like, you see all these things and you're like, man, like this this really can happen. And, and I think if the Jets come out and they play their game, there's no question in my mind that they should win this game and beat Noyfield.
1: Yeah, just you know, play good defense, run the ball, avoid turnovers. It's it's that simple. Yeah, and yeah. I know this has been mentioned by Joe before. It's like that's been a trend of how teams are winning in the league, like you said, Malik Willis. I think also a lot of the things that you've seen, um, not from Miami necessarily, but like that's how San Francisco wins the game. Yeah. I believe necessarily predicated on big game passing. I mean, they do obviously have a dynamic weapon in Debo. And now they have Christian McCaffrey, who's tremendous. But the funniest thing is about what Christian McCaffrey is. They get Elijah Mitchell back, he gets 18 carries, where yeah. Kaffer gets 10, which to me makes no sense. If, like you trade all those assets and you have this electric playmaker, you should be using McCaffrey a little bit more. But it's it's interesting. And I think you know, you just want to see growth, you want to see the mistakes that we've seen for so long, you know, dating back to Zach's first start to start to be minimal- minimalized. I'm not saying he can't throw interceptions, I think he's going to because that's part of his game when you're taking chances. And you're seeing that with Josh Allen right now, who's leading the league in interceptions, which is crazy to think, but guys who do that versus the guys of like the Alex Smiths of the world, the, I'm trying to think whoever, I mean, Aaron Rodgers also plays a style where he never would want to like throw interceptions. He would only take chances where he knows he can win. Mm -hmm. And I just want to see what Zach does and how he responds because these next eight games are so critical for really the trajectory of this franchise, because, you know, he's a second pick and assuming he doesn't pull, you know, like an agent Peterman, like ever down the stretch, he's probably going to be the starter next year. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. really where where it would come to where you would think, you know, maybe they would consider, you know, moving off him, or at least at the very, at the very least making him the, you know, incumbent quarterback, but bringing in someone like a Garoppolo who they could push him because he's realistically going to be a free agent because they're going to run it back with Trey Lance, you know, just to see what they have because they didn't invest a lot of draft assets into it. But like, that's what I think is a realistic possibility if Zach doesn't show the growth that they're hoping. But, like, let's all root for that. Like, I, I know you want to see a more aesthetically pleasing quarterback play because that's what's fun. That's what, like, draws attention on fantasy games. So it's like, I get it. But, like, at the end of the day, it's just baby steps. You know, yeah. year three could be the lead. I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know that. I can't predict the future. But I think just don't, don't be so quick to write him off. But at the same time, he should be better. I agree with all of that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess I do too. Um, in the grand scheme of things, though, I think Zach just has to continue to play within structure and be the game manager that the Jets are asking to be. I think right now uh, this team is probably better than anyone could have anticipated, but it's still built the way that they wanted to build it, which is, like you said, strong run game, strong defense. And they're asking Zach to just not lose the games for them. Please just don't be the reason that we lose this game. Don't turn the ball over. Play smart. And I think – If that trend continues, then Zach absolutely earns his right to be the starter coming in next year. And I think if you just be the guy that can manage the game and play this uh, so that you're not the reason the Jets lose for the rest of the way, that's good enough and then once you get to year 3 that's where we expect him to take that that uh, you know bigger leap um i think if you look at it kind of in historical context you know really it's it's very similar to the sanchez the first two sanchez years right it really
1: is it, 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 these parallels it is. are crazy <laughs> the
2: the difference is the team around him um, because that 09 2010 team was so veteran heavy and so built to win immediately whereas on the backs of veterans the difference here is that the Jets' success is on the backs of these young guys and these rookies, which is obviously awesome. But in reality, you know, the Jets were a a middle-of-the-road team in 2009 for much of the year until, you know, they get uh, a random chance to make the playoffs at 7-7. and They rip off two straight. All of a sudden, this defense, this running game, Sanchez kind of gets hot they make a run of the AFC <laughs> championship. The, yes. you know, 2010 was obviously a little different, but Sanchez was asked to do exactly this. Now I think there were a few games where Mark Sanchez in 2010 was absolutely the reason that they won those. You think about kind of that middle of the season, you know, I just saw the highlights. I think today is the what 12 year anniversary of the Browns overtime game. Like Sanchez was a the reason there against Detroit against Houston. He had a comeback. back. Um, he played really well in that Pittsburgh game where they won, you know, so, He was the reason, but I think in all reality, I think he threw 17 touchdowns and like nine or 10 picks that year. And, you know, maybe for 3000 yards or right around that area, but still that was a run first team that played strong defense. So the connections between the two um, are extremely similar. And then, you you know, it very, again, then you look to 2011 and they expected Sanchez to take an even bigger leap. Now, They didn't really help him that year. They let Braylon go. They signed Plaxico Burris. They let Jericho Cotry go. They brought in Derek Mason, Um, you know, all those things. So it's just funny how the, the kind of correlation and the historical parallels there are, are, are pretty interesting, but ultimately I still think that, uh, yeah, like you said, unless uh, unless he has a Nathan Peterman like uh, finish here, which is a great reference by the way, um, but unless he finishes like that, I think he's absolutely earned the right to be started next year, and and we'll see what happens if they bring in some competition because I don't think it's going to be Mike White or Flacco, or I don't no. think it should be put it that way. Uh, I mean,
1: I think that they do want to get a get a better look at Mike White if Zach were to falter because that was the whole thing that Salas said why he was elevated to QB two and yeah. Flacco's being a healthy scratch on game day. But at the end of the day, they know that the ceiling is very limited with him. Like, we saw, obviously, the high with the Bengals. But he kind of regressed after that. Like, yeah, I, I think people love that memory so much because it was such an unexpected win when you, like, your quarterback goes down. There's all this hope for a rookie. And then this guy who never played a game in his career. I mean, he obviously played half of that New England game, but, like, never had a full start. Had this, like, 400-yard game. But yeah. also threw a bunch of interceptions in that game. And then... You know, he was awful in the Buffalo game. I know he got hurt um, in the Colts Thursday night game. And he did throw a touchdown before he went down. But, like, it, that's not what they need to be doing. They need someone, if they're not going to be with Zach, it's got to be someone who's proven that they can run an offense effectively yeah. and also not lose your games. And I know Jimmy's the guy. The one guy I want to say, because I know Connor's going to be joining us in a few minutes, is Derek Carr would be the guy to look at. And I feel like it'll cost some eye rolls, anyone who's listening or, wa- or watching this, but the Raiders are two and seven. I was reading a whole thing. They can get off of him if they cut him. And it's like 6 million dead cap, but he's making 40 million. There's a chance with how their season's going. And, you know, Josh McDaniels didn't handpick him. He's been on the team for almost, I think, nine years or 10 years or whatever it may be that he could be someone the Jets would look to. I mean, he has a lot of us, he has a similar skill set to Zach. I think Zach has a stronger arm than him, but like, you know, he's somewhat mobile, but he's proven he could be a winner in this league. I don't want to have this Derek Carr discourse, but I think that's something to keep an eye on just because he could be available and, you know, he's someone who's a legit NFL starter in this league.
2: Do you think that would be something that he would do to come and be a backup to start, like a backup to start the season? Like a, I mean, in all reality, you're coming in no, for competition, no. right? So, um, like, yeah, that's, no. Yeah.
1: So, okay. Let me let me rephrase what I was trying to say. Okay. I don't think that if they brought him in, he'd be the he would be um, a backup who has to fight Zach for the snaps. Yeah. He would be the starter. I think if they did that, it means that they don't trust Zach long term, and they feel that Derek Carr would give them a better chance and elevate the ceiling of this team in 2023. Because based on how we're starting and hopefully how we finish. This team is going to be, you know, expected to be in the playoffs next year. We're hoping that the ceiling is higher with some of these young players, the return of ABT, the return of Brees Hall, whoever they may get in free agency of the draft, because at this point it's like tinkering and adding pieces because there's so much of a foundation here. And obviously whatever happens with Elijah Moore, which we'll definitely ask Connor about as well, because it's obviously been a polarizing topic. But if they were to go that route, which I don't necessarily know what they will – but it is something just to keep an eye on. And I know people used to say uh, to DJ Enemy, who used to be on the beat, former guest of the show. Um, Cause he would always say that's like the, what he could see Zach becoming. And people were like, nah, like, I don't want that. Yeah. Like Derek Carr was like a front win MVP in 2016, his third season. Yeah. And then he got hurt and the Raiders ended up having to start. I think it was um, the guy who played for Michigan State, Connor Cook in a playoff game. Yes. Next, he got smoked, but like, car is good. So uh, we, we could drop this. He just was a
2: thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's, it's funny that you say that. Cause I'm starting to think like, you know, if, because that's the thought that goes through your head now is like, okay, this Jets team is built to win. So if Zach isn't the guy, I really would prefer the veteran route as opposed to drafting another quarterback and hoping that they, yeah, they wouldn't do that.
1: There. This team is,
2: they, so, they can't
1: go with that down that but, route.
2: But then yeah. you start to look at like, I'm thinking, okay, like, okay, if their car were to come here, like then what other teams would we be competing with? So you, you kind of start looking at it and you're like, okay, who's going to be in the market <laughs> to draft one? Who could be in the market for a veteran? You look at like the NFC South, whole, like those, all those teams are going to need quarterbacks. Uh, and you never know when Tom Brady's going to hang them up, but
1: oh my gosh. then, yeah. I
2: mean, you, you got the lions, you got, Packers with Aaron Rodgers you don't know how long that's going to last um you know Matt Stafford obviously not looking great with the Rams the Cardinals and Kyler Murray what's going on there uh the Niners are set I mean Geno has to at some point regress to the mean with Seattle
1: don't ever say that that's my I mean
2: but you (laughs) gotta like you know how that's going you know the Giants I mean seven and two but it feels like smoke and mirrors like that's a house of cards right now you really don't know and Daniel Jones obviously I think there's some uh, some wiggle room there. So it's just funny to kind of go through to see, you know, who the jets could potentially be competing with um, in terms of signing a veteran, if that was the route to go, but man, I can't believe you, you brought me down to this where we're talking about next season, when we're, we got well, a first place okay, okay, game okay. on the, on the docket here for this week. And it, this is what you're doing to me.
1: <laughs> in my defense, there wasn't a game to talk about. So we had True. to obviously yeah. fill some, fill some fine. time before our special guest joins. We do have plenty of stuff that we want to ask him. Yes. Um. So it it, it definitely was more of like a hypothetical because there wasn't that much to talk about, which is a good thing because on the yeah. bye, you know, no drama, no you know off off the field injuries. You know, you obviously saw what happened with Xavier McKinney on an ATV. You don't want that to happen. You want to yeah. come out of the bye week healthier than you left it, which it seems like with um, Max Mitchell coming back and Corey Davis is still day to day. I have a feeling he will return because I think it's what's it been now three weeks since he got hurt four weeks I can't remember Denver Denver game game? yeah yeah Denver game so it was the New England game it was um Buffalo and then now so it'll be been out
2: three and a half weeks really
1: it'll basically be a month since he actually got hurt so by the time Sunday comes around so I think it was a, a similar injury to what Zach had. Um, I think last year was like an MCL sprain. So nothing too serious, no actual damage, more just like bruising and swelling probably. I think it's more pain tolerance than anything else. So let's just hope that, you know, they are healthier. And see, Max Mitchell was a you know, pleasant surprise. He was a fourth round pick. He wasn't expected to play this year. It was more of someone who they were hoping long-term could be a starter and was like potentially a swing tackle. And when he was out there, he held his own. He wasn't a liability at right tackle, which was like very pleasant to see. It seems like George fan is not coming back anytime soon. I mean, he wasn't very good to begin with and remember the whole thing in the summer, you know, they should extend him. You know, he was amazing in 2021. It seems like 2021 was probably his ceiling and he's already, you know, I think 30 at this point. So it's hard to imagine he's going to be able to replicate that, especially with his, you know, chronic injury problems. So At the end of the day, I just want to see these guys come back. It sucks that two of the best players on the team got hurt or lost for this season. But this team has been resilient with all the adversity that they've seen, you know, dating back to the Cleveland game. They've shown an ability to really, really, you know, be able to do things that we don't expect. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that it's going to continue as we get to this back half of the season. But, you know, I'm so excited. You know, eight more games meaningful football we're finally going to get the in the hunt graphic on the sunday sunday or i guess you know thursday of thanksgiving which is Something we're clamoring for for about a year and a half. On Amazing show. since the inception of the show, <laughs>
2: since we've been with Turn on the Jets. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been just asking for that little fact, and the Jets have finally given it to us. So, uh, win or lose on Sunday, yeah, you could definitely uh, we're, we're going to be in the in the graphic. So that's uh, that's a huge win for uh, for TOJ Live. That's
1: that's all we needed, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: and it's interesting, you know, as we're waiting for Connor to join here, but um, I, I'm I'm interested to ask when you speak about the old line, kind of you know, how he sees it playing out when they do return to, you know, in a quote unquote full health. Um, Cause we know obviously that unit is, is not fully healthy uh, with the injuries that they've sustained. But um, when they do get Max Mitchell and George Fant, George Fant back to full health, what he expects to see because my thought is really like you said, would be to see Mitchell get the nod at right tackle over Fant. I think, Fant was obviously very good in 2021. He was better on the left side than he was on the right after um, Makai Becton went down um, and they were able to move uh, Morgan Moses over, you know, into right tackle. But uh, at right tackle, we saw Fant struggle um, quite a bit. Uh, You know, obviously he was bothered by that, uh, the injury that was kind of lingering um, from last season. But it's just very interesting to see kind of how that will shake out because I think The one thing is really what this line has done uh, thus far, given all the injuries, but also since uh, what they've done plugging in Herbig and what a pleasant surprise he's been, but without further ado, Here we go. Con- Connor's joined us.
1: Yeah, welcome, Connor. It's, we're super excited to have you on the show, man. Hold on. You got to get the sound going. <laughs> I, we have a little technical difficulties with Connor. I think he's up yeah, you're me.
0: good. My bad. I do this all the time. This like microphone S&Y. <laughs> S- has like a power button. I, rem- I got to remember to like turn on and off. But no, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. We, have, you
1: no, no, we well. appreciate, I appreciate you jumping on, man. Yeah, for anybody who obviously doesn't know him, but if you're a Jets fan, I would assume that you know who Connor Hughes is, you know, covers the Jets and now the Giants for S&Y, formerly yeah. The Athletic. Uh, Connor, how is it now? Both both sides of town. How are you doing with that?
0: I'm enjoying it, man. It's a little bit different. Like, I think what's what's tough for me is like um, just the competitive nature of the job and the competitive nature of the field. And like when you get into this, I mean, you you grind and you bust your ass to be the best, right? I mean, that's kind of what you want to do. And and you, the way that you put yourself ahead of others in this field is, is that you kind of have to position yourselves where you never don't know something. Or if somebody else figures out something before you, just always have a means to go get your questions answered and figure it out and figure it out. Maybe a little bit more than that person. You know, it's just the com- it's the competitive uh, jockeying and volleying kind of in in the field and in the business. And I think the one thing that I've struggled most with with doing the Giants and the Jets is just like that FOMO of if I'm <laughs> with the Jets that means I'm not with the Giants. So it's like, what are like Dan Duggan and Pat Leonard and Jordan Ron like, what are they figuring out? But then if I'm at the Giants, it's on the other side. So like, well, what's Zach and what's Kaz and what's Samini? Like, what are those guys figuring out that I'm not figuring out? So, I mean the, the ideal situation would be like find a way to clone myself to be both places at once. But <laughs> aside from that, I've been loving it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's
1: practices, right? Yeah. That was, that was how you did it. There you go. Yeah. 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 Just, just
0: constant <laughs> incessant joint practices. Like that would be the best. But other than that, man, I'm loving every second of it. Like, it's cool to obviously like I, I kind of have, you know, my heart's obviously tied to the jets because I've been doing them for so long, but then also to be back now learning something new and getting like a, a fresh set of eyes and being rejuvenated from covering the giants. Now it's awesome. It's a, it's a dream outlet, dream, dream come true job.
2: Cool to do a lot more TV and stuff, so it's I'm, I'm loving every second of it. Well, obviously. that's awesome, man, and congratulations and obviously well deserved, yeah, obviously. You. But uh, just the fact that you do this now and you're covering two teams and they're seven and two and six and three, like how's that yeah. feel?
0: <laughs> oh, it's freaking awesome! Like I, I sent a tweet out today about that because like, dude, my entire career, like I've just covered bad football. Like, like honestly, that that's literally been my entire career. Like the only semblance of like, there's been like three sort of, of examples of me covering a good team, and it was like 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was covering the jets part time because I was still in college at Monden, so i wasn't full time on the beat yet like on the road, mm-hmm. but at least I got a little set, a little bit a little taste of success there, but it ended so miserably that it almost like polluted uh, the entire yeah pretty much polluted the entire <laughs> season before that and then the other two examples like when the Eagles made their Super Bowl run and when the Giants were in the playoffs in sixteen uh the star ledger sent me uh to the eagles and then to the giants to like contribute and help out the beat writers there with some extra some extra coverage but i didn't know those teams like i, I wasn't covering the giants so i didn't know them and i wasn't covering the eagles so i didn't really know them so you're just kind of like it's almost like a freelancer. like you're going in there and be like oh write a story on this or write an article on this like i remember writing a, a story about it probably being Cruz's last game with the giants and with the mm-hmm. eagles like there were a couple assignments that i did because they obviously i was there for like two weeks but it's different when it's the team that you have covered, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I've seen it from the Jets perspective, probably more so than the Giants. Cause like, this is my first time covering the Giants. They suddenly start winning. But <laughs> from the Jets perspective, like I've seen the two and 14, I've seen like the failures of Todd Bowles, the Adam Gates, the tail end of Idzik, McHagnin, like the struggles with Joe Douglas to begin, uh, Robert kind of kind of up and down first year to go through all of that and kind of see the fans struggle so much with all that with all all just the poor poor football to now be on the other end of things where they are six and three half game out of first place in the afc east really now literally they control their own destiny coming Mm -hmm. out of the bye next week I mean it's just it's a remarkable turnaround and it's just fun to cover winning football like I made the joke today but it's true like I was talking to my, my boss Matt Dunn I was talking to him about it today like I went from basically actually this is just an inside thing for you guys like my friends, uh, some of my best friends from high school, like every year, starting last year, I say every year, it's like a new tradition. Uh, My buddy has a house in the Poconos. So we're like, we're going to do a guy's ski trip. And every single year of my career for the last eight years, like whenever we want to take a vacation, whether I was going on the guy's trip skiing or going with my wife, like on a trip, it was like, okay, well, season's over week 17. I can start planning my vacation week 18, (laughs) week 19. Like, that's the truth. Like once the playoffs started, it didn't matter. Like I could go (laughs) do it. Now my buddy's texting me like, Hey, so like, when are you free? I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to be free. Like, I don't know how long this is like, it's both of them. Like I went from no, like I told my boss, I was like, I'm just hoping they stagger. The Giants Jets yeah. playoff game, and they don't put them both on the same day, so I can cover one on Saturday, get on a flight that night, and cover the next one. On they won't. won't. Really no crazy. way they would do that. No <laughs> way. I would think. I would think that. I would yeah. think there's no way they would stagger Giants. They would put Giants and Jets on the same weekend. I wouldn't yeah. think they'd do that. Well,
2: hopefully you're not free for that ski trip until like mid mid to late February. We're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That'd, be, that'd be pretty cool. But <laughs> yeah. so I got to ask you, Connor, because obviously, I mean, you mentioned it, but the Jets are six and three. You said it; they yeah. can write their own ticket here with a big game coming up against the past. Before we get into that. You've obviously, you've been in the building, you've been around Robert Sala, Joe Douglas for like, and we always say even the most optimistic Jets fans couldn't have predicted six and three at this point. Like we all would have, we would have been happy with four and five at the bye week, but thinking back on it for you being in the building and seeing this, like, can you kind of see how this path has kind of carved itself out? And like, did you, is there any part of you that maybe could have anticipated this as well?
0: no (laughs) No, hell no like no i didn't see six wins coming dude no one in the jets building saw six wins coming they'd all be lying to your face i mean yeah okay they think they're gonna win every single game no like internally the jets the jets looked at this first stretch of games like the first 10 weeks of the season nine games that they played they looked at it and they would have been on cloud nine if they found a way to win four games like that was their money number like they thought probably three but they would have felt really, really good with themselves at four, and you would have been a snake oil salesman if you told them that they were going to get five wins. Like, they did not see it, and it's, it was kind of a, a two, two-headed reason for why because they had not only a, a, a tumultuous beginning there where you're playing, obviously, all of the, the teams within your division, uh, the AFC North and then the Packers and the Broncos who were supposed to be two pretty good teams, but it's also how young the Jets were. So they <laughs> knew that they were going to take their youthful lumps these first few weeks of the season, because of the fact that these were first and second year players who are still learning how to be NFL players. So it was going to be a grind to begin. So they felt like if they could fight and claw and scratch tooth and nail to find, find a way to like pull out four games that would position themselves to potentially make a playoff run. Mm -hmm. I remember talking to people in that building when they got to four and I was like, dude, you guys got a chance for five or six. And they're like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. You're going to jinx it. I was like, no, it's like, it's there. So now the fact that they have six, and are six wins at the bye. I mean, internally, they're shocked. The players, obviously, they don't know any better because of how young they are. They're like, hell yeah, we should be nine and oh. But like the people that actually put this team together, they're looking at it and saying like, hell yeah. And I think what changed this and what accelerated this, it's not like there was any one little thing that happened in the building where you're like, oh my God, we realized we were good. No, it's just that the youth has developed and matured at such an accelerated w- rate that they took the jets from a team that was like, okay, we're going to deal with some struggles the first half, get our buy. And then as the youth gets their experience, we'll be a much better team in the second half to like, hell no, the jets are a win now team. Now I think some of like the mediocrity across the NFL, AFC, NFC has probably helped close that gap. Some as well. There's where mm-hmm. there's really only like three elite elite teams in the NFL. And the rest of those teams are around that like uh, kind of jets level of play. But the fact is, is that when you look at this roster and you see Sauce Gardner, who's a rookie and he's playing at an all pro level, Garrett Wilson, a rookie who you can say, you know, this guy's probably going to be a top receiver in the NFL already, one of the better receivers in the NFL. Like when you see players like that who are already so good at such a young age, it's just taken this thing and gone from, well, let's deal with our struggles in the beginning, make our noise back half to like, no, we're making our noise now and we're only going to get better and better and better and better and better.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's great stuff. We were going to ask you, like, what's the feeling inside the building, but I feel like you just sounded well there. But yeah. going on the sauce and Garrett Wilson topic, so I wanted the Jets to take Cape on Thibodeau if he was there, assuming Aiden Hutchinson didn't fall. So yeah. I was very vocal about that on the show, on Twitter, whatever, uh, writing for, for Badlands. It's just because there was a lot of unproven talent on the defensive line. I mean, Quinn and Williams, we saw flashes, but – I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and expected him to be the player he's been this year. I was very down on him at times. And I'm sure, you know, you've seen him up close. You've seen the flashes just like we all did. And it was just like, he needs to prove it. He looks like one of the, you know, I think outside of Aaron Donald, the best interior defensive lineman in football this year. I don't think that's hyperbole, Mm -hmm. but when they took Sauce Gardner, everyone said that Sauce was probably one of the best players in the draft. I don't think that that was like questioned, but corners, especially because the Jets did sign DJ Reed, but we kind of assumed would be playing opposite Bryce Hall, which, it's crazy because Bryce Hall's not even active on game days. Mm-hmm. Did the Jets even think that Sauce Gardner would be this good early on? No matter what their grade was or how how highly, like, because I know Salah was super high, you know hype when they picked him. But do you think they honestly believed he'd be this good immediately? No,
0: they didn't <laughs> see any of this coming. Like I'm being straight on. Like I we talk, I talked to guys in there. Like I talked to guys in the building. Like no, no one saw this coming. Like no, the, the kid is already playing an all pro level. Like they thought he was going to be good. They thought he was going to be a stud. But it's just like he's already so good. Like, it's, it's wild, like, what he's doing. Like, I mean, he's playing at a corner. Now, I wasn't here for, like, prime Rebus, but I've never seen a cornerback on the Jets play like this. And the kid's career is nine, nine, nine games, ten weeks old. Like, no. So the Jets hoped he would be good. The Jets hoped that eventually he would be this. The way he's playing right now, this is what the Jets hoped he would eventually play like. And the fact <laughs> that he's already doing it now, it's just crazy. I mean, he's, he's so physically gifted. And he has such a confidence and swagger about him, not arrogance, but confidence about yeah. it. But then it's also the work ethic that just takes it to the next level where like mentally he's such a student of the game. But honestly, this like the accelerated growth of this young team, like I, I think it was, I was, talking to somebody like in their building about it um, earlier this week or like late last week, something like that. And they were saying like, basically it was like the last, like they were kind of thinking like, all right, maybe we get to four. Then it was maybe we can get five. But over the last, like, month, month and a half, like, the, the, I think the goal for the Jets was always, like, be a better team this year, play competitive football down the stretch. Like, that was the goal. It wasn't playoffs. The goal, like, the realistic goal. The goal for this year was play competitive football in December. Then it was playoffs in 2023. Then let's be one of the best teams in the NFL in 2024. Like, that was the trajectory that they were trying to climb. Over the last month, month and a half, that has completely changed, where the Jets now – are a legitimate playoff team. Like this isn't a playoff team because they've gotten lucky, bad bouncing. Like that defense is so goddamn good that they've become a playoff team now, where the trajectory of where you want to go and where do you want to reach? Well, now they're looking at each other saying, like, okay, well, if the goal was originally competitive football, playoffs, one of best teams in the league, we are already a playoff team now. Does that mean we can be one of the best teams in the NFL next year? Like that's how this has accelerated. And it's players like Sauce Gardner as to why, because again, which you need to remember about guys like him, guys like Michael Carter, guys like Garrett Wilson, guys like Elijah Moore, guys like uh, Brees Hall when he comes back from injury. Look at how good they are right now and realize that players that are drafted in their first and second years, they don't really become the players they are going to be in their NFL careers until years three or four. So if they are so good now, in Garrett Wilson and and Sauce Gardner and Mike Carter Carter on things elite, but like where he is now, they haven't even begun to scratch the surface of their potential. They're going to hit that stride. They're going to get to that point in years three and four. So if they're already this good now, where are they going to be in years three and four? Like that's what's so unbelievable to think about. And like, if you're a jet fan, you got to be on cloud nine right now, just breaking that down, realizing like, forget how good we are right now. How good are we going to be when these players actually reach their potential? Because they haven't even scratched the surface yet. Like, that's what's, that's what I struggle to wrap my my mind around. When like, I look at Sauce and I see what he's doing now. And he's I look skinny. at Wilson and I see what he's doing now. And you see what Moore did last year. You know he's eventually going to hit his stride. It's like, I mean, how how good can they? I don't know. I have no idea how good they can be because I didn't think they'd be this good right now. You know what I mean? It's, it's wild to think about. It really is
1: everything you're saying is putting me on cloud nine right now I because i think
2: Seriously. about it all the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so connor if we look to this game particularly as, as the jets go to foxborough and you just alluded to i mean you, you really you, you mapped it all out like we all would have been ecstatic with four and five at the bye week but now that we're here and we're at six and three and, and you know i mentioned it before you jumped on like one of the big you know, monkeys that we wanted the Jets to get off their backs was getting a division win. Well, now you look at this week, and it's like they have a chance to go 3-1 and one in the division right now and also get sole first place in the AFC, which is just crazy. But how big is this game for them? Is it just another game, or does this really obviously carry more weight considering what just happened two weeks ago, what happened up in Foxboro last year? Like, how big is this game for the Jets?
0: It's big. I mean, I, I think it was – I think what's a little bit different is, like, I don't think the jets were in en- embarrassed no. two weeks ago. No. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I think that's what I know. I shouldn't say think, I know that's what pissed the players off the most is like, they were embarrassed in that 54 13 game mm-hmm. or whatever the heck it was. And they were honestly equally butt kicked the, the, I mean, they didn't score 50 something points, but it was also not a contest a couple uh, when they played each other later in the season as well. I mean, it was an embarrassment to begin, but then the Jets, the Patriots still had their way with the jets in their second meeting as well. What pissed the players off wasn't that they were embarrassed the, the, the time they met like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it is now, because of the bye, two weeks, whatever. Yeah. Um, it was that they felt they won that game. Like the defense mm-hmm. felt that they did enough to win that game. The they offense did. felt like they positioned themselves to win that game. It was Zach Wilson's like just mental breakdown on those three interceptions that cost the Jets that game. Like that, the Jets lost that game because of Zach Wilson's turnovers. If Zach Wilson doesn't turn the ball over like that, The Jets are probably going to win it. And that's what, like, that's why Sauce Gardner, when we talked to him after the Bills game, admitted that that Patriots game ate at him until Wednesday. You know what I mean? DJ Reed, when I asked him if he's thinking about the Patriots and if he's happy the Jets get the Patriots after the bye, he had the ear to ear grin across his face. I mean, every single one of these players wants the Patriots again. And I don't think it's because they are the Patriots. Like, I don't think it's like that kind of a rivalry. I think for a lot of these guys, they're pissed off still over the 54. Uh, the 54-13 game, but then they're also furious over the fact that they felt they should have won two weeks ago, and they didn't, mm-hmm. so now it's like, you know what, we want these guys, we are we better than these guys, we're going to go up to their house, and we're going to kick their ass, I mean, I think they are really that anted up, that fired up, that ready to go at these guys and take these guys down, I mean, so it is, it is absolutely a game that emotionally is kind of cranked up to a 10 or 11, where I would say that the the one worry that I would have is that if the jets do, because of how emotionally charged up they are for this one is if they go into Foxborough and weird stuff happens and they lose the game or something just doesn't happen, or the Patriots get their number of Belichick does a Belichick then I would be worried about what that could potentially do for the rest of the year. Because like the one thing they've been focused on was like, we can get our payback with the Patriots where if the Patriots get them again, I just, I would worry about it long-term, but the one thing I would say, like to even counter that to kind of you know disagree with myself, is that I think Jets are a better team than the Patriots. they have a better yeah. defense, they have a better offense, they have better playmakers, they have a better quarterback like it's like they have a better team. Then New England, they should beat New England. The one thing that they don't have the advantage of is coaching. And that's not a slight at Robert Sala and his staff. It's just that Bill Belichick. Belichick's the best that's ever done it. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. We totally, I totally agree with everything you said. And the Jets let one get away. We all know it. I mean, exactly mm-hmm. the way he did against Buffalo, they win that game probably by 10 points yeah. at the minimum. I, I truly believe yeah. that. I, I'm sure you do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Zach, um, I know that you've been a little bit up and down, but I think you've also been telling Jet fans to like, you know, relax, not necessarily get you know, too high, too low about what Zach's doing. I saw some of the quotes today specifically from, from Braxton, who I know is very close to Zach and has always had his back. But I thought it was interesting with Connor McGovern because Connor McGovern kind of threw him under the bus as a rookie. I think it was after the Denver game last year. And he was defending yeah. him, saying like, you know, we all have the extreme confidence in him. What, like internally, do you think the Jets believe that Zach is going to, you know, not necessarily take a Josh Allen type leap, but some sort of leap over the final, you know, eight games of the season.
0: Well, they don't need them to like the, I think that's, that's what, so, so what scared the jets after that Patriots game was that they realized in that moment, they have a team that's ready to win now. You know what I mean? Because I, I think at, before that Patriots game, whether it was, I mean, you, you can give them the, the Packer one, but then the Packers aren't a very good team. It was, the third-string Dolphins quarterback. It was a miracle in Cleveland that Zach obviously wasn't a part of. Like there wasn't the Denver game. Like he kind of just managed. Even the Packer game kind of just Pittsburgh made though. It. Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh. That, again, the brilliant fourth quarter, the one that we're always going to talk about. Is that well? Also, there were three quarters before Pittsburgh that were very, very bad. So like there was there was a a a worry internally after that Patriot game of we have a roster that is clearly ready to win now. And if this game we lost because of our quarterback and is what just happened in new England, what we're going to have to deal with the rest of the year, because if that was, if if Zach against new England game one was what the jets were going to see throughout the rest of this season against the bills and all the, what was going to happen is you were going to have a locker room that looked around and said, we can win. We know we can win. We know we have the players that can win. That guy over there is the reason we're not winning. What the hell? We want to win. He's the reason we're not winning. What the hell? That was a legitimate fear within the Jets building after that Patriots game. Like, and for obvious reasons, and that's not a surprising, stunning statement because you had a quarterback that was literally the reason why you lost the game. The best possible thing that ever could have happened for Zach Wilson was was for him to deal with that game against the Patriots, try to be Superman, have it blow up in his face and be the reason why his team lost. And seven days later, go up against a better team in the Buffalo Bills and play the exact style of quarterback that the Jets want from him right now. And to be honest, they would take this style of play moving forward because they want to basically be the San Francisco 49ers. And you see the San Francisco 49ers winning with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, they flashed the number last night. He's like 10-0 when he doesn't throw a touchdown pass. Like that, <laughs> When you have a defense like San Francisco and the playmakers around the quarterback like you have in San Francisco – all you need is a game manager. The Jets are trying to build the same thing with Zach Wilson, where all he does, all he needs to do is be a game manager, then whip out that like random off script ability when he has to, you know, when they need a play. But just be and play within the structure of the offense. So for Zach to go against New England, be such a disaster, and be the reason they lost, and have people going, "Oh no, is this what we're going to have to do? like?" Basically, that's the first time really that they asked him to throw a substantial amount of time since that fourth quarter in Pittsburgh, and this is what happened. It was like, all right, well, we we kind of kept the kitty, you know, kept the training wheels on, kept the handcuffs on those first few weeks. Now we needed him to make some plays, and oh my God, this is what we're, this is. If this can't be what goes forward, so for him to go from that to seven days later against the Bills, a better team, play within the structure of the offense, play controlled, play disciplined, strike when he had to strike, and not play, not have the Jets beat the Bills in spite of Wilson, but as him managing the game, have him make plays while managing the game to be the reason why the Jets won whether it was the first down scramble or the strike to Denzel Mims. I mean, he was one of the key reasons why the Jets won that game, not just because he didn't do anything to cost the Jets the game. For him to have that right on the heels of that Patriots game, it was one of the most important things, both for his teammates to build confidence in him, for Zach to find that confidence within himself again, for the coaching staff to have confidence in him to be like, okay. And I said it a little bit ago, or yesterday I said it on um, SNY's Post Plus show, is that now the key is for Zach to take that Bills game command C and then command V, 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 V the rest of the way. Like that is what they want because the jets have a team that is built to win. Now they just can't have the quarterback that sinks the ship. So all Zach needs to do is he doesn't need to be captain. He just needs to be one of the crewmen. Like that's all he has to do the rest of the way. Cause the jets are good enough to win games with a game manager. So as long as Zach does that, the jets are going to be good. And because he was able to do it against the bills, I think that was the realization of like, this is what I have to be. This works. Let me be this. And I think you'll, I hope, you will see that the rest of the way. And if you do, the Jets are going to be in great shape.
1: Yeah, and I think the best play of the game against Buffalo is after Denzel Mims converts that play, on third goal, takes the sack. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I felt like in the New England game, he would have thrown an interception in the red zone and then New England mm-hmm. would have drove. Scrambled around,
0: fumbled, run backwards. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Like, you got to realize when the play is dead, and he did. And, and, you know, the one thing I will say about Zach, and I, I think it's what he will internally struggle with some or might have struggled with some in that Patriots game, is he looks around that offense and he sees how good so many of the other players already are. He looks on the defense and he sees how good so many of these other players are. And Zach Wilson is just not at a point in his career right now where he is going to be the all-star on offense and he's not going to be the 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 owner for 400 yards and five touchdowns a game because he's not at that point in his development. And that's perfectly okay. I said this a little bit ago. That is perfectly okay. Just because these other rookies and these other second-year players have developed at such an astronomical rate, that doesn't mean that Zach Wilson is supposed to develop at an astronomical rate either. I mean, he is better than he was his rookie year. He's taken steps forward. And for a lot of young quarterbacks, it takes until year three. So for Zach Wilson right now, what he needs to realize is that he doesn't need to develop at their same rate. He just can't hold them back. And against the Bills, he didn't hold them back. And that's all he has to do the rest of the way is let those guys be the stars right now as you continue to grow and you continue to mature and you continue to develop. Do that for this team right now. And they're going to be in perfect shape, really, really good shape. He just needs to keep doing that and continue to take those steps forward. That's just stick to the script, stick to the script and he'll be fine. And the Jets will be fine.
2: So, Connor, sticking on the Zach subject, and you guys pointed out, obviously, the sack being a, a good play, where he took that and he didn't force the ball or whatever, and, you know, turnover, nothing like that, so that was great. The two uh, plays that Robert Sala actually highlighted, which I think was was really um, great for Jets fans to hear, were the third down conversions with his legs. So yeah. that's been a point of frustration, I think, for Jets fans, especially when you, you kind of freeze frame that throw from the New England game to Tyler Conklin on the fourth and five. It's like you see the field wide open in front of him. He probably could have run it in for, for, for a touchdown. Has that been a point of emphasis for this coaching staff with Zach? Is to to use his legs a little more to take what's there and still obviously be safe, but you know, use those legs to gain first downs and gain yards they're there, as opposed to always looking continuously looking downfield. Do you know that, or is it just? Yeah, I
0: mean, I think it's it's a it's a weird little balance, right? Because you also don't want him to take the extra hits. I mean, I don't mm. think it's I don't think it's an insult to say that Zach isn't exactly like the most durable <laughs> no. quarterback in the NFL, sure. right? I mean, and that's not. That's not just with the Jets. I mean, he dealt with injuries when he was in college. He's dealt mm. with injuries his first two years in the NFL. I mean, the, the game against the Patriots. I mean, he got hurt when he was scrambling and fighting for extra yards. So it's like that, that happy, healthy medium where, like, you need to find where it's like when you can scramble and pick up six or seven yards, pick up the six or seven yards, then get down. Like, you can scramble and avoid the hits. Like, get down and avoid the hits. Like, that's what you want to do. So it's like you want him to use his legs as a weapon but I don't think the Jets are ever going to turn this into like what the bears are doing with Justin Fields. Right. I mean, where they're using him as a runner. Like, I don't think that's that's what they're going to do because they do want to protect him, but also use him as a weapon. So I I think that Bill's game was that happy medium where I think it was, what was like five rushes, 24 yards. So he used his legs as a weapon, but it wasn't like, it was like one read run. You know what I mean? Like the old Mike Vick, when he was with the Falcons, where it was like one read, not open run, one read, one run, read, run. No, Mm no, no. You want to take it when it's there and use it when it's there and if it's the safe alternative where you know you can get five six ten yards do it but you know, it's, it's like you got to find that that balance and i think the jets are able to find it against the bills and i'm fascinated to see if they're going to continue it with the uh, with the patriots because again like you want to use it because it is a weapon but you also don't want it to to lead to durability issues and have him come off the field because zach off the field is is obviously not going to help anybody
1: yeah for sure uh, Connor, we really appreciate you joining the show. I don't know if you're allowed to do game picks because I know you write articles, and I think typically... oh, I can, yeah. Oh, you can? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, before we do game picks, because Steve and I do that every week, um, really quickly, what are your thoughts on Elijah Moore? Do you think moving into the slot is going to get him going? Do you think he's going to be more involved in the game plan? And then we'll move to game picks.
0: I do. I don't know what's wrong with Moore. Like, I don't, I don't like it's. It's so weird because, like, the, what, what made him the way that the Jets were using him last year, where he had that tremendous stretch before getting hurt and and landed on the IR. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how they were using them to begin the year. And I think, I I don't think it was like, I don't think Moore was not getting open during that stretch. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I I don't, I don't think it was that. I think it was just the jets for, you know, the, the Bronco game uh, and the dolphin game and the Packer game. They just weren't throwing the ball. Like Zach was throwing it under 20 times a game. So if you're Mm -hmm. throwing it, you know, or under 25 times a game, it's only so many passes that are going to be out there. And the jets aren't just a, a, a one weapon team. They have a number of guys where they can throw two guys out of the backfield. They got two tight ends, three wide receivers. Right. So it wasn't that like Elijah Moore wasn't getting any targets. It was that, yeah, he wasn't getting No one really was like the, the leader in targets was seeing like four or five passes a game. Look at how many times like Justin Jefferson's seeing balls, you know, or, or things like that, like teams that are actually throwing it 35, 40 times a game, the jets just weren't that they were running the ball. So It was weird to see like no one really getting targets, no one really putting up numbers. Then Elijah Moore being like, get me out of here. So I I did spend a little bit more time watching him against the bills. And there were a couple of times where he was open. Like he ran routes where he was open. Zach just went to other guys and those other guys, he went to them successfully for more yards. So I don't really know what it is. Maybe moving him inside is going to work, but that's not how the jets viewed him when they drafted him. Like that was me. Like I was like, oh, he's a slot receiver. He's a slot receiver. He's a slot receiver. That's not what the Jets thought when they took him, like when they took him and and then they drafted Garrett Wilson, the way that they envisioned their receiving trio was basically a recreation of the LA Rams where Corey Davis was going to be their Robert Woods. And then, um, uh, Elijah Moore was going to be their Brandon cooks when cooks was with the Rams. And then Garrett Wilson was going to be their Cooper cup. And if you know about Cooper cup, he plays the majority of his time, like 85, 90% of his snaps in the slot. So they were like, Garrett Wilson's going to be our slot Cooper cup with more outside flexibility. We're going to have Elijah Moore as our outside Brandon Cooks. And then we're going to have Corey Davis as our physical Robert Woods. Like that was going to be their three receivers. And they thought it was going to work great because that's what Elijah Moore did. That Brandon Cooks role is exactly what Elijah Moore did last year. He was seeing his targets when Flacco was in. Wilson then replaced Flacco. They started running the ball. The targets weren't there. And then I think it just became like a mental funk, like upset he's not getting targets, checking out, like that kind of a thing. So now the Jets are trying to jumpstart him and they're putting him in the slots. It's it's funky, man. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if the Jets totally know why it's not working. I don't think Elijah Moore totally knows why it's not working. I don't totally know why it's not working. I think it could be fixed if the Jets had an offense that was throwing the ball 35, 40 times a game and he was seeing eight to nine targets and Garrett Wilson is seen 10 and Corey Davis has seen five plus then you spit or spatter with everyone else. But like, that's just not the scheme that the jets are running because they don't have a quarterback that at this stage in his development is ready to be throwing 35, 40, 45 times a game. They just don't maybe next year, maybe the year after, but right now they don't. So you would think that Elijah Moore would be totally okay because the jets are winning football games. So the nope. fact that he's not and like freaking out, it's like, it's a, honestly, it's a storyline. And it's a development that I just did not see coming. And it's like so hard to analyze and critique because it's like you don't like it's I, it's yeah. it's it, it's puzzling. It's really, really. I'm <laughs> honestly like there's words but like it's it's so hard to explain it or find a fix because like yeah. I don't know what the fix is. And obviously the Jets, by moving him inside to the slot more, they're trying to figure it out, too, on the fly as well. Yeah,
2: it's, it's crazy, crazy. They're trying. Yeah. But it's crazy that it comes when the Jets are winning, like you said. So it's just really out of the blue for someone to complain about not getting touches when they were on at the time. They're on a three work. or four game winning streak. But it's weird too that you know the the slot thing to kind of you know fix this when in reality, like you, Connor, you, you kind of alluded to it, but. Early in his rookie year, I remember there was a discourse on Twitter where Jets Twitter was like upset that they were going to put him in the slot, and they're like, "He's not yeah. just a slot guy; he can he's be not. an outside yeah, guy." Yeah, DJ so,
0: led that charge. Yes, yeah, right. So, charge.
2: <laughs> so it's weird that like you know then moving him back to the slot is supposed to fix this, but we'll see. But uh, you know, it's, it, it's targets. That's the problem. Yeah. They're
0: not throwing it to him. It doesn't matter right. if he's in the slot or outside; they're not throwing him the exactly. ball. But they're not throwing him the ball because not throwing, they before like the last couple for the Patriot, they weren't throwing anyone the ball. Like yeah. they, they were a run first team run first and second team. Really? Like that's what <laughs> yeah. they were doing. So no one was getting passes. So it's like, it's, it's, it's very confusing. Cause it's like, if this is what's leading to wins, why change? You're not going to change it up to, to make Elijah more happy. No. Like that's not going to no. happen. So it's like, it's, it's very confusing. It's yeah, very confusing. for sure.
1: Okay. Game picks time. And then we can wrap it. So Steven, I'm going to go give it to you. I'll pick. And then we'll have Connor. Conclude with the game pick sections. So, Stephen, what do you think? What's happening? All right.
2: Well, Connor's got me amped up with how much this game actually means to the Jets. But uh, I was going to go this way anyway. I really do. Uh, you know, historically, I don't think the Jets have been great after the bye, but I just have a different feeling. I, I think that Zach comes out. He plays within structure. I think he plays well. I think he throws for just over two hundred yard yards. Gets a touchdown in there. I think the running game is strong. But I. I honestly feel good about this game, which is always scary to say as a Jets fan going into New England. But I think the the, the road warrior kind of thing continues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fourth quarter, um, you know, how good the Jets have been in the fourth quarter. I think that holds strong as well. I think the Jets pull this out in somewhat convincing fashion. I'll say 24 to 13 Jets. OK, I'm similar. I would say 24 to 10
1: Jets. I think that hopefully they wear the white uniforms, black pads. because It seems like that's the trick of how they win games. Um, I also think Zach's going to play, you know, within structure. Similar to Buffalo, I think he throws for like 230, two touchdowns. He has a 30 interception, maybe a fumble or whatnot. I think the defense is just as strong as it was the first time they played. And I think they're able to run the ball more effectively. And that's going to be the difference in this game, because that was really a problem against New England last time. So I'm excited. Connor. Yeah, I I think it's.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably going to be ugly. Like, I don't think that the Jets' offense is, is going to light up the Patriots' defense, but I, I just don't think Mac Jones is any good, in this Jets' defense Agreed. They're going to be fired up. They're going to be pissed off, and they're going to play lights out. Like, they are I mean, look, the, I think they're, they're a top three defense in the NFL. I think when they are on and, and really firing on all the cylinders, they are the best defense in the NFL. So I think this one's going to be 16-13 Jets. Uh, it's going to be close. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be a defensive contest, but I think the Jets pull it out.
1: I love to hear that. Right. You're going to be there. Are you going up to Foxborough.
0: Yeah, yeah, so I've got I've got uh, Jets this week. Um, giants on Thanksgiving, then Jets on Sunday. And then I forget who I have after that. I think it might be Washington, Giants, Washington. I got to check my schedule. I just, I got to figure it out. But yeah, I've got Jets, uh, the Jets next too, because I got him this Sunday and then I got him the next Sunday with the Giants on Thursday, double duty that week.
1: Yeah, before nice. I give you your plugs, uh, how was being back with DJ? Did you miss him?
0: <laughs> I did miss him. I love DJ, man. That kid was great. I, lo- I loved him the moment he came in. He made the beat fun. I definitely miss him. I miss that kid all the time.
1: Love to hear that. Um, Connor, it's been awesome. We really appreciate yeah. appreciate you coming on. If you don't already follow Connor on Twitter, Connor underscore J underscore Hughes, catch him on S and Y You can catch him all over the place. When is the new pod coming out? Cause I know you don't really do that anymore.
0: We're working on it. Yeah. So we're working on it. That's something uh, it's going to be coming. I don't have the specifics yet. I think it's, you know, they're, they're working on getting podcast producers and things like that. So there will be a podcast coming. I'm very, I see everyone who tweets me about where the podcast, where a podcast, I'm working on some stuff right now on Instagram, Uh, that'll probably be coming like probably do some lives there Uh, i just need to get clearance from that from work to make sure that that's okay but once i get the clearance in there i'll have instagram lives that'll come in place of a podcast until we probably get a podcast fired up and and going you know but it's it's something we're talking about i know it's definitely a discussion and i know it's going to happen it's just a matter of when.
1: awesome love to hear that and uh make sure to subscribe to our show on apple Charlie jets live on spotify also on youtube youtube.com slash TV. And also, if you haven't already, become a Badlands, Badlands Patreon subscriber. Best premium content. I know Connor's been on that show. I know he loves Turn of the Jets Joe, as he'll say. I've, I've heard you say that on the, on the live yeah. streams. And,
0: uh, you know, we, we appreciate all the support. And we look forward to talking to you guys next week. Sure. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me on.